0: WNUR News, I'm Erica Schmidt.
1: And I'm Brandon Condritz.
0: You're listening to the six o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Friday, November 11th, 2022.
1: Tonight on WNUR News, it's our fall quarter special broadcast. All of our stories will focus around the theme 11-11 around the world.
0: These stories and more coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Because it's eleven eleven, you know what that means. It's time to post a Snapchat with the date on it, obviously for some good luck.
0: For tonight, our reporters will be exploring the traditions and quirks behind 11-11 as a concept, including how we were all obsessed with posting a Snapchat with the time if we caught it. Thankfully, we're not in middle school anymore, but we can still appreciate those memories and more.
1: Like we said, posting the 11-11 time was good luck, meaning all of your wishes would come true. For our first story of the evening, Cara Totley sat down with a group of Northwestern students to talk about their wishes for the upcoming winter term, the holidays, and the new year. Here's the story.
2: Because their numbers are often linked to chance, the 11 date and time is prime for wish-granting. To discuss their wishes for the new quarter, Christmas of 2023, I spoke to a couple of Northwestern students. Thanks for doing this. To begin, let's do a brief... It's... It's 11:11. 11 Make a wish. Many of you have probably heard this adage before. Because their numbers are often linked to chance, the 11 date and time is prime for wish-granting. To discuss their wishes for the new quarter, Christmas of 2023, I spoke to a couple of Northwestern students. Thanks for doing this. To begin, let's do a brief introduction. Everybody go around and say their name, year, and major.
3: Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm a freshman and I'm RTBF major. Hi, I'm Haley. I'm a first year and I am undecided.
4: Hi, I'm Lewis. I'm a first year and I'm a journalism major.
3: Hi, I'm Stephanie. I'm a first year and I'm undecided. So, do you
2: guys remember that time on Snapchat where everybody made a little 11 11 post with like the black screen and they had like a wish? Did any of you ever do that? Yeah. Yep.
3: For no, sure. I don't think I was on Snapchat during that era. You missed out. I did miss
2: out. Well, since some of you never were able to participate, Here's your chance. Do you have any wishes for the upcoming winter term or the rest of the academic year?
3: I would say to be more involved in clubs. I think the RTVF like extracurricular scene on in Northwestern is very active and I haven't I've been pushing it off because I didn't want it to be too overwhelmed my first quarter, but I definitely want to be more involved next quarter. I genuinely just want to pass my classes. <laughs> my classes this quarter have been a little challenging. And I just wanna pass them. I wanna pass this quarter, I wanna pass next quarter. Hopefully I can pass the semi decent grades, but I just wanna pass.
4: I think I just wanna like find inner peace, you know, get over my anxieties and like start a new chapter and being more I guess retrofit for the northwestern life it just
5: started yeah um i also want to work on getting i really want to get good grades in the classes i'm taking now but i also do want to work on my inner peace too like this first semester my inner peace has been shaky so i do want to work on my inner peace and i also do want to make more friends and be more social and like join clubs because i'm not in any clubs yet but i do want to do that
2: it might be a little early to talk about this but i know as soon as November first hit, people already started putting up their Christmas decorations and started listening to Christmas music. So my next question would be, is there anything
3: that you guys have
2: your eye on for Christmas this year?
3: I would say clothes, 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 clothes. I noticed since coming to the question, I do not have enough clothes, winter clothes, regular clothes, going out clothes. Mm -hmm. So overall, I just want to buy clothes. So I am Jewish, Um, I don't celebrate Christmas, never have, never have had a Christmas tree, and presents are a thing for Hanukkah, like the whole eight days, but that's not really a thing in my family. So I'm going to say that my Hanukkah um, wish list is honestly just better Hanukkah music, because all you people that celebrate Christmas, you guys have Mariah Carey up the charts every single year non-stop bangers and like i need a jewish version of that and i need it to be played on the radio constantly and that's all i want because the christmas music would be great so imagine how much better hanukkah music would be mariah carey i don't think you're jewish but where is my hanukkah song
4: i think the experience i come from florida so it's like not the christmas that everyone else experiences there's no snow i mean there's the lights but i've made like a good number of like friends here and relationships. So I feel like getting to experience that alongside some snowmen and some hot cocoa, I think that would be really sweet. So I think it's, for me, it's not anything tangible. It's more of like the feeling of Christmas.
5: Okay, so I'm from Miami and I'm gonna be back there um, for Christmas. And honestly, I just really wanna have a nice, like warm beach day with like warm water. Like I've been craving that a lot. But most importantly, like the biggest thing is like, I need tickets for the Taylor Swift era concert. So that's like my main thing. So (laughs) even if I don't get my beach day, as long as I like get tickets for the concert, I'm going to be really happy.
2: So we already went as far as to Christmas. So we might as well just finish off the year with like New Year's resolutions. I know some of you already talked about finding like the inner peace. Is there anything else that you want for 2023?
3: I think my 2023 definitely includes a lot of self reflection and a lot of uh, improvement on my part, like in my personal relationships, my friendships, my academics, just my like Louis mentioned earlier in your piece, I, I definitely want to do a lot of reflecting and just improve myself as much as I can this upcoming year. So this is a little bit of a lighter note. Like you went super like reflective. I think New Year's resolutions are stupid because I'm <laughs> too lazy to hold myself accountable. <laughs> But I would definitely say that if I were to do a New Year's resolution, I would just try to get more involved on campus, uh, really put myself out there, and join more clubs.
4: I think changing my lifestyle, like you can do that like at any time, and like I shouldn't depend on the start of a new year to do it. But everyone's doing it, so I might as well try along with everyone. So, like going to the gym more. I know that's like a very popular. <laughs> Thing, So I might wait off going to the actual gym, but like going on runs, like I used to go and do back home. You know, I think starting college kind of like shocked me in a way. And like I let go of some of the things that I used to love to do. So doing those things again.
5: Mines are pretty basic. Like I do want to like maybe work out. I'm going to feel more healthy because I have not been feeling healthy at all. And yeah, maybe just like kind of like fix myself. I feel like I lost myself a lot in college. Like this first month has been like really hectic and like you can lose yourself. So I just kind of like want to be more in tune with myself like in this new year.
2: Thanks for sharing, guys. I really appreciate it. I hope some of your wishes come true. I hope you get your tickets. I hope you find (laughs) peace. I hope you get your Hanukkah music. And I hope you join some clubs. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks, thanks once again for doing this. And that's it. For WNUR News, I'm Cara Toto.
0: Taking a more literal look on the date, today is Veterans Day. Daniel Gross sat down with local veterans and student members of Northwestern's NROTC unit to discuss what Veterans Day means to them.
6: This year, our special broadcast falls on Veterans Day. I sat down with veterans and service members from the Northwestern and Evanston community to discuss what Veterans Day means to them.
7: Good evening, Chris Meter, uh, U.S. Marine Corps Veteran, 2000 to 2007, Board of Directors, American Legion Post 42, Evanston. Uh, my name is Daniel
8: Morrow. I'm a second year midshipman at uh, Northwestern's NROTC unit.
9: Uh, this is Will Shemai. I'm also a second year midshipman at Northwestern NROTC.
6: I was just wondering as people who have served or or will serve, what does veterans day mean to
7: you yeah i mean it you think about veterans day for me personally uh i go back to the origin of um what i believe was originally called remembrance day and coincided with the armistice in uh which ultimately led to the end of the first world war uh which took place on november 11th 1918 uh, the 11th hour of the 11th day and uh As time has gone on in in the United States of America, uh, November 11th has become uh, Veterans Day, which is the day that we recognize and commemorate the living members of our military services. But we use Memorial Day to commemorate uh, the fallen who uh, perished in the defense of our nation, as well as even those who, uh, did serve and celebrated Veterans Day, but ultimately, uh, have passed on. So, um, I think it's a, uh, it's an important thing for a lot of people to understand the, uh, the separation of the two, uh, Veterans Day can have a lot of different meanings for different uh, people who have served, but for myself personally, I find it to be a day of camaraderie, uh, to be able to get together with other veterans, to share stories. Uh, call up old friends that you may have served with and wish them well and check in on them and make sure that them and their families are doing okay and also as a a day of reflection and uh, it usually ends up being uh, quite a week especially for the Marines we celebrate our birthday on November 10th and then November 11th is Veterans Day so uh, it's it's very important to I think all service members, but especially uh, those who have served prior, uh, unlike our our midshipmen on the call today who are just beginning their careers uh, and and have a a long time ahead of them to go. Uh, They will have Armed Forces Day uh, to be able to celebrate with those who are going to be currently on active duty, but as they've already raised their hand, they are veterans.
8: I mean, I'm just a college student. It's a pretty tough question. I don't have a great answer for it, but I think it's just a it's an opportunity to reflect on the hardships of, of military service and to look out for people who have been who have been through it and make sure they're doing okay.
9: I think of Veterans Day, I think of members of my family who have served and those in my community. And I think of the the impact veterans have had in my life from my my high school cross-country coach, to my grandfather who encouraged me to do ROTC. I think that veterans have played an important role in my life and I think that's like Veterans Day's way for us to acknowledge how the service of those in our community has helped our community for the better.
6: Veterans Day, as a celebration of veterans, uh, as a you know remembrance of, of service would be not properly covered if one didn't mention all the things that many veterans struggle with including you know mental health issues physical health issues how does it make you feel knowing the road ahead of work that still needs to be done to support veterans
7: well as i said earlier uh it's it's a it's a moment to call your your friends your uh people you may have served with and check in on them and see how they are doing and how their families are doing. But that can't just be limited to one day a year. Uh, That has to have that network 365 days a year where uh, we are able to reach out to and connect with each other. I've seen conflicting reports as of recent, but the typical statistic that is widely respected uh, throughout the veterans community, as well as mental health medicine, is that 22 American veterans a day commit suicide, and uh, that number, in in our opinion, uh, the opinion of all the major veteran service organizations, is entirely too high. We would entire uh, we would like to get that number eventually down to zero. We know we do have our work cut out ahead of us, so that's why the community of veterans reaching out to others is absolutely paramount.
9: I would just say that, um, I think understanding what veterans go through, like given the mental health experiences they may have encountered, I think as us as future, uh, future members of the military, as future officers in the Navy, I think that, um, gives us some guidance on what to, look out for it. Obviously, I think wellness and health is something we really should prioritize as as officers and as, you know, future division uh, leaders. I think it's important to lead with like, not just like the job first, but also like taking care of yourself first as well.
6: I know Memorial Day to a very significant extent and also to a maybe slightly lesser extent Veterans Day for especially for people who aren't veterans are uh, highly commercialized holidays as people who have either are either veterans or active duty and have or, or reserves how do you react to the general commercialization of this holiday commemorating you know your and your your fellow service members
7: service memorial day um obviously is it's a it is you're right it, it's a heavily commercialized holiday with sales on patio furniture uh, and things of that nature. But it's it's been kind of made to mark the beginning of summer more than a day of remembrance of the fallen. Um, And I would say that uh, for me personally, for Americans to be able to go out and celebrate with their families and barbecue and fly the flag and uh, have activities of that nature with the ones that they love, um, as long as they are remembering in their minds what the sacrifice was that it took to have that barbecue or to, uh, to sit around with your friends and, and, you know, play a backyard game or something like that. And uh, as long as the, the memory is somewhat preserved of that, I'm fine with it. I, do, I have never felt that Memorial Day should be a day of mourning a day of national mourning that it should be a day of remembrance of remembering those who have fallen and appreciating and honoring the sacrifices that they made uh obviously veterans day uh, being for those that are still with us those that are living you don't really see as much commercialization with veteran with Veterans Day as you do with Memorial Day. Uh, the only things that you really do see with Veterans Day, and this is relatively new, I would say, given in the last 20 to 30 years, is uh the the rise in things of veterans discounts, uh veterans being able to go uh to lunch or dinner for free. You know, sometimes their families' uh bills are are compensated by a restaurant or, uh, or or some type of smaller store and uh that's kind of the way i see is businesses' way of trying to give back a small amount and saying you know we know you're here we haven't forgotten about you we think you're worth at least a sandwich and a cup of coffee come on in uh, i know there are a lot of veterans that do not like that system and they don't have to participate in it but for a lot of the ones who do want to participate in free programs like that, uh, I would encourage them to do so.
6: Any of you guys, if you have like a message for our, you know, our audience, please feel free to, you know, use this
7: time. Never be afraid to thank a veteran. It's sometimes, you know, it is, it is said, you know, it's wrong to thank, thank a veteran for their service. And some, you know, it's one of those things in life that some veterans, appreciate that sentiment and some of them don't uh but if you do you know see an individual that uh is out wearing their you know army air force marines hat that's walking around it doesn't hurt to you know tell them thank you or especially for our vietnam veterans to wish them a welcome home but i will end with this is when you see a veteran be it somebody who may be 93 years old wearing his U.S. Army hat who is you know slow in front of you in the line at the grocery store taking his time getting on and off the bus and you're in a hurry think back to who that man or woman was when they were 19 or 20 years old jumping off of a boat onto Omaha Beach with absolute terror in their eyes and were the ones who helped defeat Nazi Germany or defeat or defeat Imperial Japan, that that young man or woman at one point in their life was tougher, faster, bolder and stronger than any of us could wish to ever be. So just think of that when you see those older veterans that are out there.
9: Um, I'm just, I just want to express my gratitude, not only for veterans and their service, but the veterans in my life and how they have shaped me to be the better person that I am today.
6: Thank you to Chris Meader of American Legion Post 42 Evanston and Daniel Morrow and Will Shamay of Northwestern ROTC for sharing their perspectives this Veterans Day. For WNUR News, I'm Daniel Gross.
1: In addition to Veterans Day, 1111 marks National Sunday Day. Northwestern, however, has limited options to celebrate. Micah Sandy has more.
10: National Sunday Day, also known as November 11, is a day not very many people know about, but if you do, you might want to have an Ice Cream Sunday in its honor. If you're a Northwestern student, though, that might be difficult. While the on-campus shopping locations, such as the Market at Norris, Lisa's Cafe, and the Market at Plex, do have pints of ice cream in addition to individual to-go servings, many college dining halls have soft-serve ice cream machines. Some even have expensive topping options. But at Northwestern, the question remains, where is the soft serve? Believe it or not, soft serve ice cream machines used to be in dining halls, but Northwestern University removed them in the fall of 2018 as a response to budget cuts and repeated malfunctions. SESP 50-year Sterling Ortiz was able to experience the ice cream machine at Allison Dining Hall prior to its renovation.
11: From what I remember it was it was kind of like the McDonald's ice cream machines. They were pretty good quality, they were vanilla and chocolate, but they were also frankly pretty inconsistent.
10: Middle first year Diane Cao commented on the importance of having frozen treats available in the dining halls.
12: Quite frankly, I think it's a little ridiculous that so many colleges have free Froyo machines and ours doesn't, um, especially because it's kind of part of the college experience to have a stressful week or a stressful midterm and then share a pint of ice cream with your friends or just get ice cream at a dining hall.
10: In the spring of 2022, the Associated Student Government passed an ice cream resolution unanimously. This ruling got Northwestern Dining to serve ice cream on Fridays in dining halls as part of a pilot program. ASG Chief of Staff Stephanie Shields proposed a resolution after being elected as a Weinberg Senator. She spoke about the process behind getting ice cream into Northwestern dining halls.
13: It's really difficult to get an actual ice cream machine in the, I guess, uh, four main dining halls because from a nutritional standpoint, it's a little bit difficult to make that sell. There were some issues with supply chain. They ended up switching the brand of ice cream to Oatly.
10: Northwestern Dining currently has one soft-serve machine located at the Foster-Walker Complex East Dining Hall, also known as Plex East. However, the lack of toppings in East, according to Ortiz, was something that could be worked on.
11: If I ever wanted to get toppings on it, I'd have to go, I'd have to fill up the ice cream, then I'd go all the way to Plex West, you know, was a lot of steps, and then I gotta go put some toppings, some caramel, some strawberry, whatever I want on it. So it's pretty inconsistent. Um, you know, I would like it to be like a one-stop shop, but I'd rather I, I'd rather
10: have this ice cream in Plexis than not have it. In regards to toppings and functionality, Shield said that there is more to come.
13: There were talks about expanding, so putting one in Elder, putting one, you know, in other parts of campus, but because we're experiencing just a few issues with the maintenance of a brand new, like expensive, big machine, um, they want to make sure that like the dining staff in Plex East feels comfortable with it so that they can be a resource of support when we start to expand to other parts of campus. The other piece that we're expanding right now is like a topping bar, so having sprinkles, having Oreos.
10: If you're a Northwestern and you made an 11-11 wish for free ice cream, there's a chance you might be out of luck, but hopefully you find some way to celebrate this sweet holiday. For WNUR News, I'm Micah Sandy.
0: Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6:24 PM. How often do Northwestern students knock on wood? Do they keep hats on their beds? How about stepping on cracks? To find the answers to these questions and more, WNUR's Brandon Condritz hits some popular spots around campus to chat with students about their favorite superstitions.
1: Do you knock on wood? Avoid opening umbrellas inside? Throw salt over your shoulder? Then you might not be surprised to find out that you're superstitious, a word coming from the Latin term for excessive fear of the gods. One common superstitious indicator is a series of ones all in a row to represent that good things are to come. Today is November 11th, so in honor of the 11-11 date, I wanted to ask students across campus about their favorite irrational fears and wildest traditions. To do just that, I hit Northwestern's most popular spots, Brandon on the street style. Hello oh, and welcome to Brandon on the street. I am standing out here in front of Weber Arch on this absolutely beautiful fall day. I'm very interested to hear some of the answers that we get. Let's start with the basics. What is your favorite superstition and why?
14: My favorite superstition is knocking on wood.
1: Mine is knock on wood. Every single
15: time I say something that like could get jinxed, I have to knock on wood. I always knock on wood.
1: Knocking on wood is a tradition dating back to ancient pagan cultures. They believed that spirits and gods were part of trees. The action served two purposes, to gain protection from the beings in case something bad were to happen, or as a way of being proud when something goes the right way. But in today's culture, it seems that warding off bad fortune is the primary reason for knocking on wood. The folks I talked to have various interpretations of the practice, though they all center around the same action.
12: I really like numbers. So I always
1: knock three times. So it's knocking on wood and it has to be three times.
12: Because that's my lucky number, yes. So It doesn't have to be wood that I have to knock on, but like I will go out of my way to find something to knock on. My mom just knocks on her head, but I think that's a cop-out.
15: I've been known to knock on paper because paper is technically trees, but I try to find at least like a faux wood. My phone case used to have like a wooden looking back, and I would knock on my phone all the time.
12: What I do if I don't have wood near me, I do the motion, and I say it's the thought that counts.
1: Lucky Charms. Items of clothing, trinkets, or other objects were another popular answer. Essentially, the owner associates a given object with good fortune and will use it every time they want the same positive outcome. For some, a bad outcome without the charm merely reinforces its power. I mean, I do use the
16: same pencil for all of my astronomy midterms, but it's like... Colors, do you so. do you have another pencil
1: to use, and you willingly Several. choose that
16: one?
4: Several. Okay.
17: Others. In the twenty like thirteen playoffs, twenty fourteen playoffs, when like the Heat were playing the
11: Pacers, I used to wear these like blue and yellow pajama pants as a Heat fan because I thought that if I was wearing Pacers colors, then the Heat would win. I went to 12 straight Florida Panthers games last year wearing the same exact jersey. It started really smelling, and the one time I uh, washed it, they ended up losing. The superstition is you never change the jersey. I have a
14: lucky skirt in my backpack for all of my auditions.
15: Yeah, my grandma gave it to me. Oh!
1: Whether these small charms are truly lucky or if they merely give us peace of mind, they're still quite universal. Maybe our favorite socks or ring simply gives us a boost of confidence, but believing in pure luck is arguably more fun. We're currently moving to The Rock. Weber Arch was quite dry, as it seems, unfortunately. So we're going to see if people are more receptive to talk Up here, superstitions aren't just about good luck. Another category of beliefs involves altering normal behavior for fear of bad luck striking.
3: My favorite superstition is when you're going over a bridge. You have to lift your feet up so they don't get wet. My grandmother thinks that if
16: you go around different sides of a pole when you walk past, One of you is gonna get like grievously injured. So she like will walk back around if I go on the other side of her. When
13: a sports team that we like is losing a game, my dad will move from wherever we are, but just him. He won't take us with him. My friend told me that if you're going past a cemetery, you should close your mouth and not breathe because the soul will enter your body if you like are breathing. Do you believe it? Loki, I don't like spirits, ghosts. I feel like I'm really prone to them. So yeah.
1: Avoiding certain behaviors altogether is another common theme.
13: My mom always said that if I cut my nails
3: at night, they would never grow back. I don't like stepping on cracks. It's like some kind of like thing that I like learned in primary school. If you step on the cracks, that's like the doorway to hell. <laughs>
1: We've all likely heard, step on a crack, break your mama's back. But it may surprise you to learn that this belief has significant cultural connections. It isn't just a quirky phrase. Scholars have actually done research into this one. There are two primary interpretations, and they couldn't be more different. One, if you stepped on a rickety floorboard, it could fly up and hit your mother, which would have been disrespectful. Two, during the national war on drugs, children who were dealing drugs could get their unknowing mothers evicted from public housing. Some hold a superstition about bad luck but intentionally choose to avoid it.
11: My favorite superstition is that you're not supposed to go under ladders because it's bad luck. I'll be doing that all the time. Anytime I see a ladder, I go out of my way to go under it just so I can prove to myself that I'm here, not because of my luck, but because of how good I am. You know what I mean?
1: And I even found a superstition related to Northwestern lore. One student's friend refuses to walk back through the arch until he graduates. He just is insistent on always avoiding the arch anytime we go out that way like you will walk through the bushes to get around it. Other superstitions are simple connections to luck passed down through one's family or even both.
14: You need to kiss your exam before handing it in.
18: It's just a pick. My superstition is that the number four is lucky. I do everything on the number four if I can. I just think it's a great number. It's the thousand paper cranes myth. So if you fold a thousand paper cranes, then the gods will see your dedication and grant you a wish. I got to about 500, and every time I got to 500, I'd quit.
3: I don't know if I really believe it, but I really abide by it because my mom really believes it, but no hats on the beds.
1: No hats on the what? On the bed. Why, why is that? I have no idea. My mother just has always said that's bad luck. Sometimes they're just fun. When
12: I have a can, you tap it three times so it doesn't explode.
1: Have you ever opened a can without tapping it three times? Oh,
12: yeah.
1: All the time. Does it explode? No. I don't
12: believe it.
3: It's just a little fun thing to do.
1: In other times, they're a little complicated.
3: I have this thing where if I think something's going to happen, it's not going to happen. So whenever I'm trying to want something to happen, <laughs> I have to think of every possible scenario in which it won't happen in order for it to happen. But then, of course, there's always one scenario I didn't
19: think of, and that's what ends up happening.
1: Personally, I believe that anytime you see a penny on the ground, you have to pick it up and put it in your shoe. It doesn't matter if it's heads up, heads down, left shoe, right shoe. It's simply good luck. I'm also a big fan of the number two. February 22nd of this year, 2022, was a big day for me, and I never open umbrellas inside, a tradition dating back to ancient Egyptian lore. Whatever your quirky belief or rigidly held tradition is, know that your super Superstitions are valid and might have historical significance, too. And even if you don't have a hard and fast rule you follow, you might agree with the infamous Michael Scott.
4: I'm not superstitious, but I'm I am a little stitious.
1: For this edition of Brandon on the Street and WNUR News, I'm Brandon Congratz. 50 years ago, Stevie Wonder released his hit song, Superstition, but did you know he originally wrote it for someone else? Learn all about that and more as Ella Barnes takes a deep dive into the song.
20: If you had to
15: explain funk to a visitor from outer space, Stevie Wonder's Superstition would be a great place to start. A 22 year old Stevie Wonder wrote, played on, and produced one of the most revered songs in music history. The song, Superstition by Stevie Wonder, has become iconic for its lyrics and Wonder's fantastic skill set in handling multiple instruments. Today, we take a dive into this classic hit from about 50 years ago. Steve Lynn Hardaway Morris, known professionally as Stevie Wonder, is an American singer-songwriter who is credited as a pioneer and influenced by musicians across a range of genres that include rhythm and blues, pop, soul, gospel, funk, and jazz. A virtual one-man band, Wonder's use of synthesizers and other electronic music instruments during the 1970s reshaped the conventions of R&B. He also helped drive such genres into the album era, crafting his LPs as cohesive and consistent, in addition to socially conscious statements with complex compositions. Blinds and shortly after his birth, Wonder was a child prodigy who signed with Motown's Tomlin label at the age of 11, where he was given the professional name Little Stevie Wonder. By the early 1970s, Wonder had already spent nearly a decade churning out hits for Motown Records' Little Stevie, but by age 22, he no longer wanted to follow the Motown formula, a formula designed to produce hit singles rather than Sonic and So wonder struck out on his own. Over the next decade, he experimented with a variety of instruments and developed a sound that we still identify as uniquely his own today. He recorded a series of albums that proved he was the master of lush ballads as well as gritty funk. One of those albums was 1972's Talking Book. The album crystallized Wonders' talents as a singer, writer, and producer. He proved he could write grooves to keep you on the dance floor and at the same time make you think about social problems. And on the other side, he could melt your heart. Superstition was the lead single of Wonders' 1972 album Talking Book, and it reached number one in the U.S. It is considered a seminal track from what has become known as Wonders' classic period, a polite phrase for when Stevie Wonder spent five years ferociously dunking on the entire history of popular music with releases of of My Mind, Talking Book, Inner Visions, Fulfillingness, his first finale, and The Songs in the Key of Life. is usually placed between 1972 and 1976. Wonder originally wrote Superstition for guitarist Jeff Beck, who appears fifth on Rolling Stone's list of 100 greatest guitarists of all time. Beck rose to prominence with The Yardbirds, and after fronted the Jeff Beck Group and Jeff Beck, Boggart, and Abbeis. Beck had agreed to be involved in the Talking Book album sessions in return for Wonder writing him a song. Problems with his band delayed the release of his version of "Superstition," which didn't surface until Beck Bogart and Apai's hit stores in spring 1973. Beck would score a minor hit with his recording, but there was no competing with Wonder's definitive take on the song, which was released first. Recorded at Jimi Hendrix's Electric Lady Studios in New York, Wonder wrote and produced the track, and played the drums and all the keyboard tracks himself. The irresistible funky groove of the Superstition is created by a riff played on the clavinet, an electronic keyboard with a harpsichord-like sound. What you hear on the track is actually 8 separate clavinet tracks mixed together to create a unique thick texture. Add this to a Moog synth bass and a distinctive trumpet/sax countermelody, and a sound is created that would influence the direction of pop music for the rest of the decade. superstition founded the basis for the revival of funk music and launched TV wonder into critical success as the king of funk the track talks about there being no need to be superstitious or to have superstitions he lists various superstitions that people have such as breaking glass or number 13 being bad luck Wonder goes on to sing.
17: the
10: yeah.
15: The album that Superstition is on, Talking Book, was released on October 28, 1972, and was Stevie Wonder's 15th studio album. Superstition was released as the first single and hit number one on Billboard's Hot 100 and Hot Soul Singles charts. The single also won Best Male R&B Performance and Best R&B Song of the 1973 Grammy Awards. The second single from Talking Book, You Are the Center to My Life, hit number one on Billboard's Hot 100 and Easy Listening charts, and won Wonder a Grammy Award in 1973 for Best Male Pop Performance. Superstition ain't the way unless it was written by Stevie Wonder, as it would seem for WNR News, I'm Ella Barnes.
17: Yeah.
0: Peppero Day is celebrated annually on November 11th in Korea. Friends and loved ones gift and exchange peppero snacks, chocolate dipped sticks, that resemble the number one. Emily Kim takes the story.
20: Have you ever heard of Pepero Day? It's a holiday that occurs every November 11th when Koreans exchange Pepero, chocolate dipped sticks that look like the number one that is said to apparently make you slim. Picture hockey sticks. It's a day to express your love or friendship for another among friends and lovers through boxes of pepper to each other. It's similar to Valentine's Day in America. So why November 11th? The exact origin and founders of this holiday are still unknown to this day. One theory of why it is celebrated on November 11th is that pepero looks like the number one. There is also a myth that it started when two female middle school students in the yung region exchanged pepero to become tall and thin in 1983. As a matter of fact, to become tall and thin, you must eat 11 packets of pepero in exactly 11 seconds at 11.11 a.m., and 11.11 p.m. on November 11th. You may have come across the snack as it is known to be a famous cookie stick in Korea. Many Koreans of all ages enjoy it and consider it to be nostalgic. Let's take a look at some of our favorite flavors around Northwestern. So, because it's Beppero Day, I'm asking people about their favorite flavor of Beppero, Can you introduce yourself and tell me what your favorite flavor is and why? Hi, I'm Angela Choi. I'm a sophomore from New York. My favorite bepiro would be the chocolate with the almond crunch. And it's my favorite because you're getting more bang for your buck. The bepiro stick is bigger, so I love it.
11: Hi, I'm Chris. I'm a junior here at Northwestern. Uh, And my favorite flavor of bepiro is for sure, the, the almond one, um, and the reasoning for that is because, I don't know, I really like a little bit of textural variety in my snacks, food, whatever, and pepero uh, mm-hmm. is included in that. The almonds just create a that variety, and additionally, I re, I'm a nuts and chocolate kind of guy. I I even like uh, almond joys, which is not a popular opinion, but nice. so I, I think they translate well. I really like yeah, the almond one.
14: Hi, my name is Michelle Jung. My favorite flavor is the peperol with chocolate and nuts. The reason why is because I just love the nutty flavor.
20: As Pepero day has spread in popularity, the variety of flavors has expanded each year with more bizarre and yummy flavors. Northwestern's Korean American Student Association known as CASA, holds an annual event for Pepero Day. Here's more from CASA's fundraising chair, Irene Chun. Um. So my name is Irene,
14: Irene Chun, and I am one of the f- three fundraising chairs of CASA.
20: Yeah, so I heard that CASA this year is doing something to celebrate Pepero Day. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
14: Yeah, so it's one of our annual like, fundraisers, slash, mm. like, I guess, cultural events. Um, so in order to celebrate, I guess, the cultural aspect of it, um, we kind of talked about our, um, in our general meeting last week, like, the cultural significance of it, like, why, why? Yeah,
20: and is there something that you're looking forward to being part of this event this year?
14: I'm a sophomore so last year when I was a freshman mm-hmm. it was um I guess it was exciting to have someone like send me a peperogram like on on Pepero day mm-hmm. but this year I think it's a little more fun seeing how um upperclassmen are paired with underclassmen or not paired but like um like who's sending what to who and since I'm on the back end of it i get to see um like what's going on like the logistics Mm -hmm. stuff like that
20: yeah and so are they packaged like do you get to write a little message on them
14: um so we have the menu of like four pepero and two drinks um and you can write a message for a dollar so if you choose to write a message we print it out and then the night before we pass them all out so before um our day that we pass it out we package everything into like lunch like brown lunch bags Mm -hmm. and then write from who to who and then have the little message if they choose to write one
20: and um one last question so um let me ask you um what's your favorite flavor and why
14: i'm personally a fan of just um the almond pipetto because it's yeah it's a little more than the basic like cracker and chocolate yeah it's I don't know I really like the crunch of it
20: that was my favorite too it's common to find boxes and stacks of pepero in Korean department stores and convenience stores these snacks are quite cheap $1.99 a box you can even make your own pepero sticks at home by dipping biscuit sticks or pretzel sticks in chocolate and then wrapping them up it's fun to share Pepero with people you love, but it's also nice to treat yourself to lots of Pepero today. Hope you all have a happy Pepero day. For WNUR News, I'm Emily Kim. 1111
1: is singles day, and especially in college, it's easy to feel alone or left out when you aren't in a relationship. In this roundtable, John Ferrara sits down with six singles to talk about all things dating, hookup culture, loneliness, and the benefits of not being in a relationship. Here's more.
17: It's
11: fitting that today, 11-11, is Singles Day, isn't it? Inspired by Chinese tradition, all of the ones in the date represent a set of sticks standing side by side alone. And if you're an optimist, sure, all of the ones in the date represent your individuality or something, I don't know. But on this Singles Day, why not dive deeper into what it means to be single? Is it good for us? Has it taught us anything? How does it affect our college life? To help me answer these questions, I enlisted the help of some singles. They sat down with me to talk about all of this and more. Is everyone ready? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, 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 lock in. All right, so here we are. Round table, a bunch of single people, National Singles Day. So let's go around, introduce ourselves. You'll say your name very briefly about your relationship history, as in, have you dated before? If so, for how long? Who broke up with who? And also, scale of one to 10, rate how much you'd want to be in a relationship right now. One being not at all, 10 being a lot.
12: My name is Lexi. I've been in two relationships, two like official relationships. Mm. The longest one was, I wanna say, three months. My desirability to enter a relationship now is minimal. It's probably like at a four. Never been dumped.
11: Okay, shout (laughs) out you, shout out you, I guess.
16: I always don't and I have been in three relationships, all of which for less than three months. I am a summer fling girl. I have ended two, and one has been ended for me. <laughs> <laughs> and my desire to be in a relationship right now, I would rate it about a five, because I can see the pros and
3: cons. My name is Reese. Uh, I've been in one like more serious relationship. It was about like three months, and the ending was mutual pre-college breakup. Desire to be in a relationship. Probably like five or six. I'm Virginia. I've been in two serious relationships. One was seven months and the other one was like six and a half months. And I was the dumpy and the dumper. and. Current desire to be in a relationship, I'd say 10 out of 10. i say I'm fiending, <laughs> fiending for a relationship. My name is Ava.
18: Um, I've been in a few serious relationships. My most recent one was almost two years and it was a mutual breakup. And I'd say my desire to be in a relationship right now is probably a four or five out of 10. Sounds nice, but. Matthew. I am
17: Brendan. I have been in no relationships. I had like a week long situationship, and that was about it. Current desirability to be in a relationship or current desire for a relationship an eight or a nine. First one, just how do you think the
11: college experience is impacted by being single?
16: I think being single makes college a lot easier because there's literally so much to do, and it's like you have your social life, you have your in school and like outside activities and there's so much mental load on you that I think being single kind of alleviates a lot of that
18: yeah um I watched my ex go through like being with me while he was in college and it just seemed really tough it seemed like a lot on his plate especially with a long distance relationship and trying to balance all of that so I think that being single in college just kind of frees your mind, frees your frees your time, and lets you kind of grow as an individual before you meet someone else.
12: I could see why being in a relationship, especially in college where it's usually a bigger community than you're used to in high school, it might be nice to have like one person to just like always be there for you and just have like a solid rock. But with that said, you can find that in friendships. I agree
3: with Lexi. Deering is my boyfriend at this point, and
2: I'm perfectly happy with that. Next question.
11: Do you think people put too much emphasis on hooking up in college or do you think experimenting with different types of people has a sort of utility in learning about yourself and your interests in relationships?
3: I feel like there's a difference to me between hooking up and really experimenting and getting to know people. I think for me, hookup culture is something that can be very superficial. I think that there's a lot of getting to know people and possibly even romantic experimentation that starts off as like a platonic thing. And so I think that overall, I think that there's an overemphasis on like the superficiality that comes with, and like also like the no-strings-attached culture that comes with hooking up.
18: Yeah, I'm convinced a lot of people don't actually enjoy hookup culture, and it just seems like something that Mm -hmm. we should do Mm -hmm. um, and something that a lot of people fall into or... One thing leads to another and all of a sudden you're pressured into a situation you don't really want. Hookup culture has a time and place
3: but wow. I've noticed that not sometimes okay. people all want to participate in it in <laughs> situations where it's not necessarily the safest to do so, like three shots deep in a bar.
16: We're in gender studies class and we're talking about hookup culture and what we've realized is that in hookup culture Men are seeking to validate their masculinity by demonstrating sexual prowess. But women are seeking to validate their femininity by proving that they can be desired. Mm-hmm. And at least in like heterosexual hookup culture, it's kind of like an exchange going.
17: I think that's a very good point. And I think that one of the reasons it might be so prevalent, especially in college, is that a lot of people haven't reached their full emotional maturity yet. And they think that having sex is the only way to validate themselves, especially coming from the male perspective. We're not really taught to be emotionally healthy, you know? Like, man up, do your job. With men, oftentimes it's seen as though the one way that you can prove you're a man that's societally acceptable and doesn't involve, like, physical violence is by hooking up with somebody. And we, you see that a lot in pop culture. It's better now than it was, but still, like, the guy who hooks up all the time is often seen as, like, the the most important guy, like Batman and Iron Man, two of the most famous superheroes of the past 20 years. Playboy's like the third word you use to describe both of them every time.
11: So we talked a little bit about how you think the college experience is impacted by being single, more so in theory. In practice, in the school so far, what has being single, particularly in college, taught you about yourself? Has it made you more independent, more lonely, made you feel any sort of way?
18: I think I've had to learn how to use long stretches of time alone without feeling really lonely because I'm an introvert and I need time alone to recharge but without that one person to ground you and like turn to comfort you and give you the validation that someone's there if you need them, it can feel a little bit just like strange to have hours by yourself even if you know that's what you need.
17: There are times where I feel slightly less valuable than other people it's just like oh wait this person's in a relationship and I'm not so so sometimes I feel like not being in a relationship inherently means that I am less valuable, less desirable, less attractive in some way than people who are and that can hurt but in the end it has also helped me realize that like Look, it's not necessarily a problem with me. It's just other people don't find this as the thing they want and that's okay. I just need to work with this and do the best I can to make sure that my life is the one I want with or without a relationship.
12: That I thrive on independence and that I... Well, I think that you really need to be so secure, not only in yourself, but in what love you can give to another person And be, like, aware, because being in a relationship is not just about, like, getting support. It's about giving support. And I think that you have to, like, be in a position where you're willing to give and receive.
11: So there it is for all the singles out there. Some pretty sage advice, huh? Seems like the grass is always greener, but maybe being single isn't so bad. Or maybe it is. What do I know? For WNUR News, I'm John Ferrara.
0: There are a lot of ideas out there about twins. Maybe you've heard some of them, like that twins have superpowers and are able to telecommunicate, or that they are symbols of happiness or danger. Reporter um, Margot Amuwal digs into the details of these superstitions. Are they real? Are they not? What's it like to be a twin? What role do twins play in our modern world?
19: There are a lot of ideas out there about twins. Maybe you've heard some of them, like that twins have superpowers and are able to telecommunicate or that they are symbols of happiness
8: or danger. Me and my brother were just kind of always on the same wavelength. And I was like, wow, I have a a buddy, a partner in crime. We were joined at the hip. That was just kind of what we were. We still like are, but now miles and miles away. It's a long hip.
19: That was Austin Kelly, an identical twin and first-year theater major from Pelman, New York. Austin's brother, Andrew, studies at Columbia University.
8: When I do bring it up, people are like, whoa, that's crazy. People used to bring it up to me a lot because I was in a small town with both me and my brother.
19: For this quarter's special broadcast on 1111, WNUR News will be digging into the role superstitions play in our modern society. This segment, the superstition of twins. Is it real? Is it not? What's it like to be a twin? What role do twins play in our modern world? While the Kelly twins are very similar, Austin says there are a lot of differences too.
8: So we were pretty much steadily the same person for probably up until sophomore year of high school. We had all the same friends, that kind of stuff, but then the pandemic kind of hit and we were like trying to focus on ourselves. And then that's when we, like, we're like, okay, we're into different things, actually.
19: Austin started to spend more time on theater and comedy, while his brother furthered his passion for science.
8: He has been a super big STEM kid, and I would just, like, be singing in my room. He's studying chemistry, which is, yeah, a dynamic. <laughs> I think that we're both smart, because I need to hold on to that. And I think that we're both doing great things and probably, well, he'll be able to cook meth a lot easier.
19: Another difference, their appearances.
8: I really do think that now that we are apart, this is a way for me to explore myself even further, apart from him. And I can tell that he's been doing the same thing because he's wildly changing his appearance. (laughs) He has bleached hair now and a bunch of piercings and two tattoos. For comparison, I know you can't see me because this is radio, I have none of those things.
19: Well, do Austin and Andrew have magical powers?
8: People would ask me and my brother to see if we could think of the same number at the same time. And, well, I try to make it work because I always think of the same number and I actively tell my brother I'm always thinking seven whenever this happens. And this he, this guy always says three and it's fury, it's infuriating. Um, But no, we don't have telepathic powers."
19: So here's our answer, no. And that checks out. Throughout history, there have been many tales of twins having magical powers. But as I'm sure you would expect, none of these accounts have been confirmed by scientists over time. I'm sure you needed a podcast to figure that one out. But while twins might not be magical in a Harry Potter sense, they still have a superpower. Twins are a natural scientific experiment. Dr. Daniel Mrozak is a professor of psychology at Northwestern University in the Feinberg School of Medicine. His research predominantly focuses on personality development and health.
21: Any differences between them, like physical differences, or any kind of behavioral differences, have to be due to the environment. They, have to be due to, they can't be due to genetic factors because you're completely controlled for, for genes in the case of monozygotic twins
19: let's take a look at one example of a twin study. In 2021, Dr. Morozak co-authored a paper that used identical twins to show that, on average, higher income was correlated with a higher lifespan. Another important finding that emerged from twin studies, the significance of peer groups on one's lifespan and personality development.
21: That's one of the classic findings of twin studies, that it's not just on personality, it's on like everything. It's on like relationships, it's on psychopathology, any kind of behavioral or psychological, you know, like dimension you can you can think of, it's not just personality, there you find this effect of the peer influence, you know, being stronger than say like the family influence.
19: But influences such as peer groups cannot only be seen as cause and effect. This realization brought about the theory of bi-directionality in psychology research. This theory makes psychology research even more difficult to conduct. How does a researcher design studies that pick out the impacts someone sparks versus the ones they are affected by? What happens if they coexist? Are personality traits reinforced by behavior, or are they adaptable? And even though twins are useful tools for helping address these questions, they alone are not enough. But scientists like Dr. Morozak work every day to address these questions and to help us better understand the ways we interact with the world and the ways the world interacts with us.
21: The ethos of research and science is that you always have to stay open-minded you know when it's rep- replicated five or six or seven times then we can believe it the public doesn't want that they want a definitive answer like right now they want the truth right now and the truth is usually like it takes a long time you know so there's this really tension between you know the, the this fundamental aspect of science where you may not know the answer for you know quite, quite some time, but you don't want to lose the trust of the public in the meantime.
19: So while twins might not have magical powers, per se, or hold the truths to the psychology universe, they do help make our complicated world a little easier to understand. For WNUR News, I'm Margot Muall, a journalist and a twin myself.
0: Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 7 p.m. Central Time.
1: That's all for our 11-11 special broadcast. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website, WNUR.news. That's WNUR.news.
0: Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Paz Bomb, and our reporters are Kara Totley, Daniel Gross, Micah Sandy, Brandon Condritz, Ella Barnes, Emily Kim, John Ferrara, and Margo Amuwal.
1: From all of us here at WNUR News, thanks for listening to our Fall Quarter 2022 special broadcast. I'm Brandon Condritz.
0: And I'm Erica Schmidt. Catch our next newscast on Monday, November 14th at 6 p.m.
1: Now, back to scheduled programming.